it's helpful to keep recognizing that even before any special dharma move, the awareness is there. You can even check now and notice that you can't really stop it. It isn't something we turn on or turn off. And we're learning to keep it in mind, to value it and keep it in mind And it doesn't depend on the mind, the conditioned mind behaving itself or acting out or being really good. Remember, we've used that simile of a mirror and a mirror doesn't pick and choose. It just reflects what's happening. And the problem that we're overcoming in our practice is this habit of forgetfulness, or we could say the habit of not valuing mindful awareness, forgetting about it, thinking that, feeling that getting involved in the drama of this or that is what's really important here. And as most of us in moments, at least, we have some momentum, some confidence in awareness. And then it can be really good to notice how the appropriate way of relating, appropriate attitude of mind, appropriate intervention, the appropriate effort, how it can arise naturally just from this confidence and awareness, this keeping awareness in mind. Because a lot of times we feel that I individually have to figure out what Dharma move how to practice with this or how to practice with that. So as we continue to sit together now and continue with our retreat, see if you can in a way relax and not feel like you have to personally intervene, personally come up with some kind of meditation strategy or Dharma strategy, but just continue having confidence and awareness, 
valuing this present moment awareness. And you might notice that sometimes relatively fierce interventions arise, like this simple wholesome intention, honey, I'm gonna take you for a walk. We're gonna go outside under the trees. And it turns out maybe to be really good medicine for the mind, balancing, refreshing. And maybe that intention emerges naturally as a natural process of that continuity of present moment awareness. Or any time that the mind, wisdom in the mind redirects one's attention Do you or I have to do that? Or does that happen out of that sensitivity of mindful awareness? So this is true, I believe it's true, I found it to be true, whether the appropriate way to be relating, to be practicing in a moment has more to do with a radical trusting and allowing, or whether in a moment, a more parental response is required that these different ways of practicing, these different ways of relating to the present moment can arise naturally. When think about a mountain stream flowing down the side of a mountain, of course it doesn't have a plan. It's just in the nature of the mountain stream is this sensitivity. So it knows how to go around big boulders and it knows how to collect in pools and then spill over. And this is especially important, this reflection, if in moments you feel like it's a real burden to have to be skillful all the time, to have to be mindful all the time. And we're just learning to align with nature itself, the nature of the mind, the nature of all things. And one aspect of the nature of all things is this awareness, which is easy to forget. And the last point is you might even notice sometimes this 
very compelling sense in the heart that I prefer delusion, prefer distraction. Just acknowledge that. Rather be on autopilot. And I think this preference for delusion comes from this misunderstanding of effort thinking that I have to be awake in every moment. I have to carefully find the right way to be relating to what's arising. I have to avoid acting out in this way or that way, feeding bad habits. I just want to disappear into a good TV show or fantasy or sleep raiding the fridge or all the different ways we have of disappearing and being on autopilot, solving problems that don't need to be solved. People often joke about reading the label on the shampoo bottle just to fill the space of the moment. And of course, it's not that that's bad, it's the not being aware It's precisely why the mind does these things. It's not aware when it's doing these things. It wants to, it feels like being aware, being skillful is a burden. So this is something for us to actually check out. How being skillful, making appropriate efforts can arise as a natural process does arise naturally with the continuity of awareness. So instead of feeling burdened about needing to be a good person or a good meditator, we can just begin to trust more and more that it will arise, it will express itself naturally just through the aligning with awareness, trusting awareness, So let's continue in silence for some time. Put some of these reflections, see if they're useful, if they manifest here in our own practice.
So remember, we're just sitting in a relaxed way as best we can, valuing awareness, remembering awareness. And in doing that, we'll notice how wisdom, the meditating mind, is doing its thing. Seeing clearly, letting go when letting go is appropriate. So we can even observe and appreciate the meditating mind or this activity of wisdom and awareness. Discerning, letting go, noticing what's unskillful, being patient, beginning beginning again. This isn't a personal burden that we have to carry. So see if you can notice how the practice has its own momentum
And for the last minute or two, just noticing how even when the awareness is interrupted, thrown off balance, there's a little or a big storm for a while, it's good to have confidence that awareness will return on its own, that balanced, clear seeing, clear understanding. Oh, it's like this. This is being known. Sometimes it's like this. Can this be okay? Excuse me. So there's time for two or three questions, if there are any. And in particular around this, uh, yeah, relating to the confidence and how it is that Wisdom awareness returns, how there's skillful efforting, skillful ways of relating, not necessarily showing up initially, but just what's that like to have that confidence in the meditating mind? Any questions? Yeah. Did it sound familiar? It's a very, so the, they asked about the, say a little bit more about the desire for delusion. I'm guessing it's not just me and you, right? So, <laughs> that it's a familiar state. And uh, it's very understandable because when there's dukkha, just the difficulty of dealing with sense impingement, endless sense experience, and our unavoidable way that we've been conditioned to relate to sense experience with our liking and not liking and ignoring, which is all, all of that stressful, it makes a lot of sense that the mind would want an escape from that. And so this is in that, those of you who know the suttas, in the sutta on the second dart, I forget, it's I think in the middle link discourses, 
sometimes described as the second arrow, but the Buddha is basically outlining, outlining how when the heart doesn't know how to deal with the unpleasantness, then it has it develops a skewed relationship that any with anything that has some pleasure to it, like oblivion, right? Going to sleep, and getting caught up in some delusion, watching a movie, whatever it might be. But it it means that I get away from what's been oppressing the mind and uh, see it as a kind of savior, even though with a broader, deeper sensitivity, wisdom would understand this isn't really helping or this is even making it worse ultimately because the mind's always going to come back and then it's going to feel whatever it feels having been holding to that fantasy or using the news or using media, using sleep, whatever means. So we can, the um, aspiration can mature from, you know, dear God, please give me a good escape to I really, I really want to understand this human predicament of dukkha. What is this dukkha, right? And that's kind of the Buddha lays that out too in terms of our response to dukkha. One is just to complain and grieve and hate and lament and beat one's breast. And, and the other is to begin a search. You know, what is this experience of dukkha? Who knows anything about it? What can be done? Is that helpful? So when you're feeling, uh, she said that uh, sometimes it's hard to look at it. And the question is, what what are you inclined to look at in that moment? What are you looking at? Whatever it is that's prompting the rest of whatever it is. Yeah. Because it might be more about uh, what's underneath that, which is not wanting to be here. It may not be so much about the movie we might watch or the food we might eat or getting the 16th cup of tea in the afternoon, you know, where we're just looking for something. Maybe I'll go back and look at that label on that shampoo bottle one more time, <laughs> see if I missed anything. <laughs> you know, and then... Instead of like, why am I doing that? It might be more, well, what's here? What's here? What's not being clearly acknowledged or felt that's here? What else is here? So that curiosity about what's here. Can I be with this? Can I allow this? Can I feel this? Is it dangerous to relax now and just be with what's moving here? Instead of fighting the thing that the mind is drawn to just to get curious about, you know, cause and effect. Like I I feel like I really need to turn on the news or 
you know, I feel like I really need to get out of the meditation hall. Well, you might, but before I get up and leave the meditation hall, maybe there's enough stability that I could take a few moments to be interested. What does it feel like to bolt? You definitely have permission to bolt. I mean, you know, hopefully in a quiet way so you don't disturb others, but it is okay during the open times, as you know, to come and go. But it's, it's really useful to take a moment or two or even a half an hour to get curious about what's that about? What's going on? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, in the back. Yeah, that's you. Suspiciously, suspiciously excited. I liked how you said that. Yeah. And, and initially, this person is suspiciously excited about the I and not being, I forget exactly how you said it, not being what we imagine it is. But, but the I is, you know, that pattern of selfing is just nature too, neither good nor bad, and it's more, it's not that it gets abandoned, it's just understood correctly as a convention and a pretty useful convention to use personal pronouns, for example. Not something we have to be afraid of or we have to abandon. Although sometimes in our way we personally language our practice, you know, when it's convenient to, uh, like, awareness is being known instead of I'm being aware. But you don't make a big deal about that. But you can shift the language around so it feels to you more supportive of what is in the direction of liberation, of being more intimate, what supports being more intimate, more real with the way it is. Yeah, and um, and, and the interesting thing is uh, just notice all of what you said and it was so clear as you shared it I'm not sure how much everyone picked up but it was pretty clear that even when you when there was some identification 
with the process of the practice, there was some awareness that there was some identification with the process of the practice, which is the practice, right? And uh, because the more we see that sense of ownership of the awareness, of the calm, of the lightness, of the nimbleness of the knowing mind, the more that's seen as an unnecessary weight naturally, right? And the effort to let that go happens naturally, not somebody having, you know, I got to get let go of this thing. So that's the general way that letting go happens. This is described, you know, really clearly in the second noble truth where the Buddha is talking about there is a cause for this dukkha, which is the identification with desire, taking desire personally. doesn't mean desire is bad. It just means it's nature, not self. And so how, and part of that insight into the second noble truth, there is a cause for suffering. It's the identification with desire. It should be abandoned. It has been abandoned. These are the insights. So it should be abandoned. Isn't doesn't mean I got to let go of this. It means it's a discernment. We're seeing the mind grasping, taking something personally, and wisdom is discerning. That's not helpful. That's unnecessary. That's stressful. It keeps discerning that. It keeps discerning that as long as it's there. And letting go happens because wisdom is seeing clearly that the identification or the attachment is extra. Not because there's a somebody who wants to stop being attached, but because there is awareness with wisdom that seeing that habit of identifying, taking personally the desire and seeing that it's stressful. And we see it enough times and letting go happens. And then the mind knows what letting go of desire or letting go of attachment is. Oh, this is freedom. (laughs) You know, being a human being, but without the attachment, it's like a new, like, oh, you can be a human being without the, the clinging, without the attachment. And, you know, generally we refer to these as the deepening of insight, like learning something about freedom, the freedom the Buddhist teachings point to. Yeah, thank you for your comments. Leave it here. So there's movement beginning downstairs in just a few minutes. Thank you, everyone, for your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.